Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will examine market tailwinds and headwinds that are currently in focus and how these factors might influence market behavior over the near term. Uh, joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Jason Dreho, Head of Asset Allocation Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Jason, welcome back. Thank you for joining us and looking forward to to the conversation. Thank you, Dan. It's good to be here. So, Jason, taking a step back and looking at recent market behavior, the S&P 500, it's up nearly 8% since October 12th. Now, I know in a recent blog titled Tailwinds and Headwinds, you note that the markets have been moving higher over this time, almost regardless of whether there is good or bad economic news. So, Jason, to set the stage for our discussion, in the blog, you note that there are periods when all the investment signals align in the same direction, but now isn't necessarily one of those periods. So, Jason, what do you mean by that? So, I think of what happened last year uh, as we, you know, the pandemic began, and once we, the markets bottomed out, but looking into the spring and then summer and fall, whether it was the economic data, you know, kind of starting to get better as we move throughout the year, policy support was very, uh, you know, you know or at least policy was very supportive of the markets. Valuations became cheap, you know, when everything sold off, you know, they became more attractive. And then investors had de-risked, and so so positioning the markets, especially risk assets, was relatively light. So kind of across all those four different criteria, they all kind of checked the box in terms of, well, this would be directionally supportive of risk assets going higher. As you tend to move later in the cycle, uh, and as we are right now, we're kind of transitioning more to like a mid-cycle, and some might even say kind of getting closer to a later cycle, the signals become noisier, noisier. So that some are positive, some are sort of tailwinds for the market's going higher, others become, you know, headwinds. It's a, it's a more challenging environment because everything is not so clear-cut that the direction of travel is in one, uh, you know, going up. So we have to assess, you know, these different individual uh, pieces of data, you know, is it a tailwind? How significant? Is it a headwind? And how do you want to net it all out? And that's where we are right now. And there's, I think the, the market has been buffeted you know, by good and bad news, as you alluded to. Uh, and it makes it a bit trickier to assess the performance and where we're going to go from here. Okay, so now that we have that backdrop, Jason, perhaps we can break this out a bit further, get a bit more granular with respect to both the headwinds and the tailwinds. Starting with the market headwinds, Jason, what are the ones that you think matter most right now? Well, the two big ones are... You know, the inflation story, uh, with inflation being, you know, above expectations and it's lingered at elevated levels, like now over 6% more than economists, the Fed, investors, including us, expected. Uh, there's also evidence that it's not just purely pandemic related, but there's some stickier aspects of cyclical inflation that, you know, could keep inflation elevated, you know, at a levels higher than we anticipated and for longer than we sort of anticipated, certainly what the Fed anticipates. And that, you know, flows into the second kind of headwind, which is that, uh, well, the, the Fed has been sort of very dovish, you know, trying to you know, be, you know, almost behind the curve, so to speak, in terms of responding to uh, high inflation, like with raising rates or withdrawing accommodation. The possibility exists that if inflation stays really high and doesn't look like it's going to come down, the Fed will have to be more aggressive in terms of rate hikes, uh, starting maybe, you know, as early as June of next year. Uh, and that would definitely be a challenge to, to risk assets if the Fed suddenly had to start hiking and hiking pretty aggressively because inflation stays high. So those are the main headwinds from a fundamental perspective. Now, on the other side of it, Jason, maybe we can go into the details of these market tailwinds. So what are the fundamental tailwinds supporting markets at the moment, Jason? 
Well, the first would be just you know, very strong growth. Um, you know, we had a bit of a slowdown in the second, third quarter of this year. Uh, in the summer, when COVID cases were rising, but uh, since then, we've seen in the fourth quarter economic activity accelerate. Uh, you know, the fourth quarter GDP is tracking at nearly eight percent based on the Atlanta Fed's model. Uh, consumer spending is looking like it's going to rise at least five percent. We're seeing industrial production, you know, pick up. Um, so very strong momentum. That's you know, kind of in this quarter, and all the latest data, you know, it's consistent with that. So that's a very positive uh, dynamic for, or at least for the markets and for risk assets. Uh, another sort of positive fundamental, uh, which might seem a little counterintuitive, is that uh, the supply chain issues and these bottlenecks have been so prominent. They're likely kind of at their peak, or probably even slightly past their peak in terms of how bad they've been. Uh, we can see that in. You know, the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, where the number of containers sitting, you know, uh, you know, waiting to be moved has declined about 25 percent over the past month. Uh, and it looks like the pace of it starts to kind of get at least get a little bit better over there. Uh, we've seen, uh, like, you know, auto plants, like, you know, General Motors has you know, actually ramped up their production at their plants to you know, basically full capacity, uh, which hasn't been the case since March, uh, in part because they just couldn't get enough semiconductors. And now the semiconductor supply chain is kind of coming back to them. Uh, we're also even hearing like sort of logistic companies like FedEx, UPS, saying they're fully on track to deliver, uh, you know, what they anticipate during the holiday season, which could entail a significant increase in the number of packages this year versus year 2019. These supply chains, you know, are going to be solved immediately, and this could take you know multiple quarters before they really kind of go away. But from a market perspective, if we are past the peak problems and things start to get incrementally better, then the market can start to look past that as, as a real kind of concern that this is a, this is a problem. If the problem is getting less bad, it almost turns to a bit of a tailwind for the markets because the outlook starts to improve and we can kind of look past this as a risk to either higher inflation or slower growth. So those would be the two main kind of fundamental positive, really strong economic growth uh, and the supply situation looking like it's probably not getting any worse and now incrementally getting a little bit better. In addition to the market tailwinds you just shared with us, what else do you see at the moment, maybe more so on a technical factors? So think of technical factors as, you know, just flows into equity markets, investors buying stocks, sentiment being, you know, positive, you know, the position all supportive of it. Um, and those also are, are strongly sort of in favor of the markets, equity markets in particular, keep grinding higher. You know, year to date, we have over a, a trillion dollars of money that's gone flown into equity you know, funds, ETFs, mutual funds from retail investors, which is far higher than any prior year. And there's been no real slowdown. It's a steady, steady pace of money coming in. Uh, we're also seeing you know, corporations starting to really ramp up their buybacks. And November and December seasonally are two of the biggest months of the year. Corporate earnings have been fantastic this year. There's a lot of money that corporations have to be able to buy back shares. As they buy back shares, that's going to provide some support. Um, but other sentiment measures, just overall from the retail side and institutional side, has become a more positive. Uh, and also just on a more you know, sort of market dynamic development, we've seen retail investors, their influence has grown quite a bit over the past couple of years to the point where in some way they are almost kind of driving things more so than, say, hedge funds would have been 10 years ago. And retail investor sentiment is still you know, very positive. You know, one proxy I like to look at is IPO activity uh, because this tends to be more of a cyclical phenomenon as opposed to something that's kind of very tactical that can shift, you know, over the course of weeks or months. But the IPO market has been strong since 2019. Last year was the best year since, you know, 2020. And this year will be, you know, kind of on par of last year. 
So that to me is a proxy for just a lot of positive enthusiasm for for buying new opportunities, kind of investing in growth companies, uh, and retail participation. And that tends to be, you know, kind of persist for a while. It doesn't suddenly reverse. So I think if that's a indicator of investor sentiment and the market sentiment, that's a positive sign for, for the outlook for next year. Uh, and if the market momentum is positive, even if you're a little bit skeptical, even if you're a bit bearish, it's hard to sort of, you know, be going against the tide. And if investors capitulate, as they've done over the past month, that then just becomes another factor of investors kind of buying and providing sort of this technical tailwind for the markets to go higher, in addition to the fundamental tailwinds that I alluded to. Okay, so Jason, as we begin to close out, perhaps we can tie this all into portfolio positioning. So when you weigh these tailwinds and headwinds, how do they impact the asset allocation outlook, Jason? Well, between the, the fundamental and technical tailwinds, you know, I think those kind of offset to more than offset the, the concerns about inflation, because right now the market still believes, or I think most investors still believe that ultimately inflation is going to moderate as we go throughout next year. Uh, you know, maybe not back to 2% like it was pre-pandemic, but it's really closer to 3% or even slightly below. Uh, and if that's the case, then sort of the thesis of, you know, really good growth, moderating inflation, a Fed that will raise rates, but more gradually, that's all conducive to, you know, risk assets doing well. So I think net it all out, you know, the direction of travel for, for risk assets for equity markets is higher over the next, you know, at least through year end, next three, six months, even sort of next year. Um, I think the one thing about the asset allocation outlook is that, because of these sort of different competing forces of both headwinds and tailwinds, sometimes the market lacks a high kind of conviction sort of trade or call. Uh, last year, it was this reflation trade, so everything that was kind of tied to reopening, strong kind of recovery, that really benefited well. Now, if you look at the market performance, as it moves grinds higher, you see one week where small caps do well, another week where it might be growth stocks, another week where it's value. So there's not clear direction and sort of style in terms of our performance. So I think it's more of things kind of move higher, but more in fits and starts, as opposed to a clear pattern of, say, the reflation trade. Ultimately, we think that will play out, but I think at least in the very near term, as people assess these headwinds and tailwinds, um, it may not be clear that uh, there's a, an obvious one bias or one direction of the trade, as opposed to just in general, things kind of you know, appreciated in value. Jason, very insightful as always, and certainly there's plenty here that we can follow up on as conditions evolve. I know a near term, you'll be joining us again on Monday to cover CIO's year ahead outlook. So we'll look forward to following up with you then, Jason, though. Thank you again for your time today. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you, Jason. And again, today we've been joined by Jason Dreho, Head of Asset Allocation Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and their listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including, of course, the blog that Jason has been making reference to during our conversation today. Again, that title is Tailwinds versus Headwinds. So for clients of UBS, please be sure to contact your financial advisor to learn more or if you would like to receive a copy of that blog directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.